0: Hey everybody, my name is Spot, you're listening to Local Gods, your, what, neighborhood-friendly podcast, that's what we're on, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm here with my co-host, Hora Throck. It's been a long time since our last show, mostly my fault, a little bit his fault. He had to move, so...
1: Yeah, my move had absolutely nothing to
0: do with it. Well, yeah, but your move took, like, three or four days, and I've been out of mode for weeks At the moment so for full transparency we actually recorded this episode weeks ago before he moved and i never got around to editing it and so now since like half the show is news it's kind of all out of date so if there's anything really cool in there i might actually just stitch it into the end of the show we'll see so in the past how long has it been three weeks four weeks what have you been doing uh
1: yeah just dealing with the move actually it's been a surprising amount of crap that you have to do when you move just Going through city uh, to city hall, telling them, "Hey, I'm a new citizen of this uh, of this lovely city," and then, oh, is that a thing there? Yeah, in Germany, of course. Oh, interesting. You cannot live your life without the um, state exactly knowing where you are and what you're doing and when you're doing it. Interesting. It's not the land of the free
0: over here. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's we're sliding towards not the land of the free over here. But anyway. Um, That's actually interesting. Like, they really like to know where you are here, but I don't think they can get away with yet going, you have to tell us when you move because everyone would be freaked out about it. And you guys got guns. <laughs> yeah, there is that, yes, exactly. In fact, um, when I bought my Dell laptop, mm-hmm. they called me, and they're like, yeah, our records show that you don't live at the address you're you're, you're saying that you're shipping to, that you, you live at, so we need to verify some information. Which, I was like, that's odd, but at the same time, it was kind of cool, because it was a pretty good size purchase. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so so they, they were checking some type of public database that, that has my, my address, and it obviously wasn't up so there you go.
1: Nice. Yeah, you can actually get fined in Germany if you don't do that. Really? The state is going to fine you if you...
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it has to do with the with the tax um, allocation. So the more actual citizens the city has, the more tax allocation the municipal level gets. The municipal government oh, that's interesting. gets a certain amount of tax allocations. And the more people they
0: have, the more they get. Oh, that sounds like a reasonable system. That's why we don't have it over here. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> i think over here how much a region gets allocated happens to do with how much political power they have at the time nice anyway so like other than moving what have you been doing
1: um playing playing my usual stuff playing Stellaris. but moving has really been taking
0: up most of my time and then i've been ill for a
1: week about a week so i was out of action um i am slowly crawling back
0: and by ill, you mean in air quotes ill you actually went on holiday
1: yeah definitely sipping those (laughs) cough syrup cocktails they were great yeah,
0: <laughs> I bet. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. Yeah, no, I've actually been watching your Stellar series. Nice. With Baited Breath, which is always a weird <laughs> term. I've never, I'm like, have you ever spelt bait? Because it's disgusting, so. there's uh, Some bait, mate. Have you been chomping at the bits? <laughs> chomping at the bits. There's that too, yeah. So many fishing terms to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, I've been working as usual. I have actually got to play some stuff, but yes, I did. I got to play some games we'll talk about, which is nice. Yeah, I've actually missed talking to you. Yeah, me too. Significantly. Yeah, if you weren't married, I'm telling you, man. Anyway, so you want to get into some news real quick? Yeah. There's been some interesting stuff. Yeah, this is our first show since E3. Mm -hmm. In the first news item here, uh, Bungie, you know, they're bringing uh, Destiny 2 to the PC, finally. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was odd. They in this article they talk about how they determine like the 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 developer who's actually doing the port to the PC and it sounds like it's not like just a direct port. They're they're actually caring about it. <laughs> they talk about how recoil on guns just didn't work well on PC. So they're just removing them, which just seems really odd for multiple reasons, right? Obviously oh. Okay, there's no recoil on the guns. That's going to be odd, I think. And also, you know, anyone using a mouse is always going to have better aiming potential than someone using a D-Stick. And now there's no recoil. Are they doing cross-platform on Destiny 2? The article was written somewhat in a way that it implied that it might be, uh, because they they were talking about how, you know, PC players will be able to outperform console players, so... But yeah, I, I just thought it was odd, which which I think in that particular thing, I'm like, okay, so you think it just doesn't work well enough on PC, so you're going to remove it. It would be nice if you made it an option so somebody could turn it on, you know, because I would prefer my guns to have recoil.
1: Yeah, it depends on what kind of gun you're using. Uh, if I see a laser gun with, with recoil, I'm always a little bit, eh, really? I knew you were going to say that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I'm being but, pushed um, back by the weight of light. <laughs> it works for Fallout. So anyway, um, Mm. although I do wonder if you just had a laser based weapon that you used all the time and it had no recoil because it wouldn't, right? I wonder if it would feel as punchy as we want guns to feel, Mm -hmm. right? One of the downsides, I think DB complains about this all the time, is that, you know, you have a first person shooter and the guns don't feel like they're guns, right? They don't have that punch to them. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you would get that out of a laser. I think that people like Bethesda and stuff should just be like, yeah, there's a cooling issue. So immediately when it fires, there's a heatsink which pops out the side and that causes recoil that's a
1: mass effect thing where in mass effect one they have this whole amazing system where you never need ammunition anymore because the gun just slices off tiny bits of metal inside the case and then accelerates it to crazy degrees and then in part two, yeah, no, we thought that uh, that whole never needing ammunition thing, that was just not great. So now we're back to using ammunition.
0: If I remember correctly, though, in the first game, when they were doing the whole shaving thing, you still had to use heat sinks. No no
1: no they would overheat so if you were if we were giving oh um, that's right fire all the time they would overheat and then they had to cool down if they that's right yeah reach a certain threshold
0: in one of the mass effects they actually had heat sinks though
1: yeah in two and three.
0: Oh, okay okay
1: i mean it did wonders for the gameplay i actually like the gameplay for two and three um more than more oh, yeah, than mass effect one
0: yeah um absolutely one on the list here is that paradox they made pricing changes in some countries yeah yeah i don't necessarily have a problem with them doing pricing changes i think people were overreacting i do understand about them doing it without letting anyone know that they were going to be doing it especially with a community that's that Mm tight-knit but people freaked out and of course this brings back something and we're going to talk about this in a minute with the grand theft auto stuff for some reason people which i understand if they feel like they have no other outlet but they go and they use the review system on steam which is not made for that whatsoever and they punish them by lowering their score. And it almost seems like, okay, maybe Steam should keep a this publisher or this developer rating Mm -hmm. as well on each game's page, which actually could be quite interesting.
1: You you mean you would sort of hold the negative reviews for a specific game away, and just giving it to a certain company? Like, you could rate companies on Steam.
0: Yeah, I think that the majority of people, obviously if they're Paradox fans, right, they probably don't think EU4 is shit. Yeah. That's not the problem. They're pissed off at Paradox as a company. But the only outlet they have is to go pretty much shit on EU4. I'm not even saying it's not right on a moral basis. I mean, it's not right as in it's not proper information. So, Mm -hmm. I I, I don't think most of those people want someone to encounter EU4 for the first time and then not play it because it has a shitty rating. right? I think that most people would actually like new people to play EU4. That'd be great. But, they actually want to express their frustrations against the company. So, it would be interesting if, like, under the rating for the game, you actually had the publisher or developer rating as well Mm -hmm. and people could express frustrations against the company which would show up on all those game pages which would actually be very interesting i mean it might actually cause some publishers to care a little bit more
1: do you think though that that would force them to care i think the the fact uh, of the matter is that the review bombing is actually quite effective driving down the review for a game is actually costing money which hurts which gets people to react. Take two, issuing a cease and desist to one of the biggest modding platforms for GTA 5, 4, 3, and Max Payne.
0: Yeah, Max Payne, yeah.
1: Do you really think that they would have reacted without the massive review bombing that basically pushed GTA 5 down to overwhelmingly negative?
0: Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, I think if the game's new, that matters more. I think how much it impacts sales is going to matter less and less on a curve the further you get away from the release date, right? I think most people who would ever want Grand Theft Auto 5 know what Grand Theft Auto 5 is and have seen a lot of content on Grand Theft Auto 5, so. I don't think so, actually.
1: I mean, okay, if you kill mods off, your game doesn't have any longevity anyway, so maybe it makes sense to go down that
0: route. If you think about it, so let's say that a publisher or developer, they grew up because they make a bad decision on a particular game and it gets review bombed and that game gets tanked. The next game they come out with is a clean slate, and they know that. But if you have a publisher or developer rating on every game they publish on Steam, that means the next game they come out with it's gonna be there it's gonna follow them they don't actually get to just step out of that hole they're in that hole until people start reviewing them better right i guess unless they ea or blizzard well or anyone else that's (laughs) yeah but at that point you get back to the whole you know crowdsourcing of opinion yeah right you know again i don't have a problem with crowdsourcing of opinion i kind of have a problem with that opinion for this thing being thrown to something else that was all, just a thing.
1: The bigger issue, I think, that was also being thrown in with the whole paradox pricing change for certain regions, which I don't think would have warranted that kind of a huge fuss, is the ongoing discussion about the DLC um, system people just really don't like the DLC release policy where they're putting out a DLC every couple of months with uh, bigger or smaller changes accompanied with a free patch. And that is popular with a certain amount of people. But the reason why Paradox is doing it is because people are actually buying the stuff and because they like it. Well, yeah,
0: and I have no problem with that. I would far prefer a company like Paradox release a game and then iterate over it over however long and make it better and better and better and more in depth. I'm fine with that. And me have to pay 15 or $20 every few months to get a game I like already because I have to like it if I'm going to care to buy the DLC, right? So if I like it already and it's just going to get better, I would far prefer that there have been too many games that I've played from larger publishers that I really liked, but they had these issues here and there and then they moved on to something else and it's done. Yeah, I, I agree. In fact, That's honestly one of the things I like about Paradox the most is their iterative cycle and the DLC. Anyone who thinks that you buy that game and then you should get expansions for it for free for three years or four years is crazy. I mean, it's not sustainable. Yeah. I don't mean that, like, you should be nice, these people need money. I mean, like, literally it is not sustainable. If you want games from these people, if you want to continue getting quality products from these people, you will have to give them money ongoing at some point because otherwise they literally can't pay bills.
1: Agreed. They gotta pay the rent. Um, they're a company. They're not a non-profit organization. The thing is, no one is forcing people to buy these DLCs. That's that's the long and the short of it. You get a free patch Mm -hmm. that still improves your game. And if you don't want the new features, then don't go for it. It just does become a problem if a game is in a state where at release, it's not already good. Then you have a then mm-hmm. you have a real problem and the other thing is you got to know when to stop you got to know when to stop mm-hmm. um, supporting a game and instead moving on to a new game
0: have you listened to the 3 moves ahead episode on Crusader Kings 2 on the monks and mystics i have not They were actually talking about this. They're like, so Crusader Kings 2 has been around a while now, and it looks like they might be reaching about, you know, they're starting to reach past that whole historical thing, right? It seems like they're kind of like scraping the barrel now. And although this last scrape was really nice, and they actually asked at the end they're like, you could get another great expansion of DLC for Crusader Kings 2 or Crusader Kings 3, which would you choose? And almost everyone on the panel was like, well, 3, because it's just time. Yeah. Please continue. I was just throwing that in there.
1: I would call that the Star Trek rule. Whenever you have time travel episodes come up <laughs> that's a good point then you know that they're running out of out of proper stuff to make into episodes and that that's why you have in later series you have a time travel over time travel or holodeck time tra- time travel and holodeck yeah and i guess that is the the more supernatural stuff for crusader kings 2 is the time travel of strategy gaming <laughs> yeah but uh So now they're going to come and they're going to bring Tibet and uh, the Himalayans and all that kind of stuff after they already did Rajas of India. Uh, CK2 is actually, yeah, I think it's fully matured, but I think the same thing is true for Europa Universalis 4.
0: Oh yeah, no, absolutely.
1: I think think that game is at an end as well. And what I would like them to see do is moving a little bit more in the direction of Stellaris, actually. In what way? There are a hundred ways where I would like to see Stellaris move more towards EU4 with the diplomacy and the war. Um, But what I really like in Stellaris is the Pops, the population. You have a way more direct relationship with the people Mm. that are living in your empire than you have in EU4. It's all still very abstract. And I think the Pops are really doing something there. Sort of moving more towards Victoria 2 or hopefully 3 maybe. Mm. That would be kind of nice, seeing your population grow and actually having some long-term impact, building schools and universities. That's something that I would like to see. And hopefully they're actually going to make a new engine. Because the Clausewitz engine is also showing its age. I just recorded today an episode of Solaris where I was fighting a battle 1 million fleet power versus another 1 million fleet power. And I basically had to speed that up in post processing because the game was laggy as hell. I was running
0: so slow. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You know, co-directors for the new Han Solo film, they stepped down, and obviously, most people probably heard, but uh, Lucasfilm announced that Ron Howard was stepping in, which is just an interesting thing. Cool. I was actually watching another video about it I think on Star Wars Explained, uh, where he was doing a little, like, a quick live stream and just answering questions and stuff. And I didn't know this, but, you know, there's only, like, three weeks left in production, like, shooting. So what are they doing then?
1: Uh, overseeing the the cutting process, the editing process.
0: Exactly. I mean, I, I guess they're going to do the rest of the shooting and maybe a few reshoots. I don't know. I mean, but he did mention, as an example, Lucasfilm was doing what they called significant reshoots on Rogue One five months before it yeah. hit theaters. And this isn't supposed to hit theaters for like a year.
1: Okay, so they still got time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. I'm not sure that we need a Han Solo movie, but you know, whatever. Anything in the Star Wars universe is interesting. I totally
1: disagree. We definitely need a Han Solo movie. Now, um, you sent me that article. I I read it and it looks like prior directors that have now been fired were looking to make sort of a comedy.
0: Yeah, they were portraying Han Solo in more of a comical figure than a, you know, kind of his normal snarky type way which i'm actually happy that they're fixing that because i would not have liked no i'm not I... because I've, n- I've never felt solo was a h- comical
1: no he's totally comical he's totally comical
0: <laughs> he can be funny but he's not a somewhat suppressed jar jar binks he seems like a comical snarky guy because he just doesn't give a fuck sometimes and you know blah blah, blah and that's just his personality but he's not jim carrey for example But yeah, so I'm kind of glad that they're fixing that. But I mean, you know, we'll see what comes of this. But
1: let's just say after the last two movies, I would like to see Disney um, at some point stop to play it safe. Not going to happen. At some point, I'm going to grow bored. At some point, people are going to get bored. You can't really do the same formula over and over again. Do something with it instead of just standing there always at the point of peeing your pants in fear uh, that you could do something wrong
0: it's not gonna work i'll rephrase and i'll say i don't think that's gonna happen anytime soon which in a way i can kind of understand at the moment because i think people are still not quite sold that everything's gonna be okay so i think that disney's walking on eggshells right now and i think especially if they're handling anything that touches people's childhood I don't mean Star Wars as a whole, I just mean like, you know, Han Solo. In fact, I feel bad for any director that has to work on a Star Wars film right now. I'm really surprised they actually got Ron Howard. Just because he has enough clout, he doesn't seem like the type of director who would be okay with what must be the Bible of rules and restrictions and barriers that you can't step over.
1: Rules are there to break him. I, and I hope someone does. It's not that Rogue One wasn't expertly executed, and it's not that it wasn't really a powerful movie.
0: Well, it also wasn't his original vision. They came back and made re- reshoots. Um. So, I'd like to see what he originally did. That'd be nice. Yeah, me too. Me too. I really don't care about the rule-breaking, as long as The rules don't break canon. That really bugs me. Really bad. That's what I have a problem with all the Star Trek stuff. I want to know that if I read or I watch or I play this event, that it exists in the universe. I like world cohesion in that way. Because I like world building or universe building, however, you know, whatever this skill is. And it hurts my immersion if I'm thinking, oh, that's, you know, not like there was a pretty good uh, Star Trek DS9 game. And I played it and I liked it. It was cool. And then I found out, oh, no. Paramount doesn't consider that game canon. That, that 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 stuff never happened. And it was some really cool stuff. And I'm like, oh, right. That's a DS9 game? Yeah, it's only like ten years or something. But yeah, it was a cool game. Anyway. But yeah, so Moving on, uh, so uh, I'm just going to touch on this because it's funny. turns out that back when the FBI was investigating the Unabomber Mm -hmm. over here, they put a significant amount of assets into looking into Dungeons and Dragons. What I found hilarious is that in one of the documents, and all of these came out of a uh, Freedom of Information Act request for TSR specifically, and these were part of it, was uh, they actually talked about in one of the documents, they were reporting that someone, I forget who it was, I don't think it was the Unabomber, but someone was quote-unquote part of the dungeons and dragons Mm. we all know each other yes just like foreign people yes all asians know
1: all other asians (laughs) and all dungeons and dragons players know all other dungeons yeah that's how it goes
0: oh it's so funny and what's hilarious is that in one of the documents they actually talk about how several of the people in a gaming group that they were interviewing started getting suspicious and paranoid (laughs) of each other after they started asking questions about the Unabomber, and they said, like, these people, they have a higher suspicion level than most people. And I'm like, I'm sorry, the FBI comes into your gaming group and starts asking about people who mail bombs to people. Yes, people are going to start getting paranoid. Sounds like the right
1: moment in time to lawyer up. Yep. Have you been sending bombs to other people?
0: One moment, let me make a phone call. Uh, Yeah, so anyway. Okay, moving on. Um... Your chancellor, the yeah. German chancellor, um, who, who is actually mine and a lot of people I know is about favorite world leader right now, which is pretty cool. Okay, nice. <laughs> well, you have to understand that it's very rare in the United States for us to actually have someone who leads a country that actually has the title doctor in front of their name. That's very, very rare.
1: And I'm kind of annoyed that they're writing it all the time in the article. Dr. Merkel, Dr. Merkel. Uh-
0: you know you know i i don't blame them like in the us if somebody runs for office like that and they're a doctor probably they're not even going to mention it much because half the population can be like oh damn educated people blah 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 and they're not going to vote for him just for didn't that did you
1: have an, a neurosurgeon from the republicans ben carson wasn't that
0: his name yes but he was a douche and i don't mean that cuz he was a republican that guy was weird but also he didn't win he didn't win anything at all so example but okay. she's going to be um opening quote quote not sure what that means but she's she's gonna be opening gamescom 2017 which is pretty yeah. damn cool we don't know if she's gonna give like a speech or whatever blah, blah, that's blah, a but, yeah.
1: long way to go in germany are they taking it as a sign that it is becoming more culturally accepted and that we're getting the recognition as gamers that we deserve yeah <laughs> i don't see it happening well, with her i mean she's she's trying but, here's what uh, i think
0: here's what i think she's she's coming up for re-election again here in a while right yeah in september yeah, well, yeah, I think that, like anything, it's somewhat of a political move in that if she can endear herself to gamers, and there are a lot of them, as we've talked about before, it might help a little bit, and it probably only takes, you know, what, hour, two hours out of her afternoon, which is obviously a lot of valuable time for the head of a country with the economy the size of Germany, but still, you know, blah, blah, blah and it doesn't really cost her much. It's not like anyone's going to be like, oh, she likes games, we're not voting for her, you know, or she supports games. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, I think that's great. That's fine. I have no problem with it. Every, every every little bit moves everything forward. Yeah,
1: I guess so. I guess so. I'm a bit cynical because
0: I've... Right, but rarely do we jump on anything. Rarely do we jump, especially as a society, from here to everything we want, right? Everything's baby steps. So everything, everything that pushes that forward is good. I mean, unless it opens up a lot of risks for other things. And I don't think that this really does. I don't think this has any negatives.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. It has no negatives. All right, then. Yeah. yeah.
0: And another thing just worth mentioning, wasn't really going to talk about it a lot. There's a very interesting article in Polygon about a gentleman who I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, but you probably can.
1: Folko Runke. Well, there you go. Although he's a, an American, isn't he? Well, yeah. So I guess he, he's a, he has a, an American version of, of that name. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, but um, he works for the CIA, has for a while. He, he's an instructor and he makes board games designs board games for the CIA and and some board games that are publicly purchasable but uh, yeah it's very interesting the CIA uses you know on a minor level they use board games for like analysis instruction
1: which makes total sense right oh, I yeah. mean they're, they're training mainly um, people in sort of asymmetrical um, situations where you have criminals that are playing by a completely different set of rules than the police which is really interesting you don't find that very often in video games because it's very difficult to balance Um, but they have no choice they gotta play that game
0: yeah it was cool how they mentioned though that those games they don't even have to worry that much about replayability or even balance Mm -hmm. because that's not the goal of the game the goal isn't necessarily to have fun the goal of the game is to get your brain to approach problems from a different angle which is really cool yeah definitely So anyway, but yeah, there was that. Um, And then you added this last one.
1: Yeah, that's actually been a recent development in the thing. So uh, composer Alex Maurer has gone full moron and has sent DMCA claims for videos of YouTubers of a game. And allegedly she did not get paid by the developers, but she was taking it out on innocent YouTubers, just bystanders that were playing the game. There came a bit of news for that. So the company, uh, I think Imago is their name, they're now preparing to sue Alex Mauer to definitely make sure that it is clear that they have the copyright and that Annex Moment does not have the right to DMCA all these YouTubers. But it's it actually throws up a question of why basically some random person can just go up and DMCA YouTubers willy-nilly. I mean, she doesn't have a company. She's just a composer. And the problem is YouTube's implementation of the DMCA is their own homemade system. And the DMCA law, the actual DMCA, there you are liable for recompense if you're actually making fraudulent claims.
0: Oh, right. That is
1: not inside the YouTube system, which is a real problem in my mind because we're having that that over and over and over again, the whole DMCA bullshit. Channels being hit by fraudulent claims and just vanishing. This cannot go on. I really hope that YouTube is going to do something about that. I mean, mainly the community has been solving it, but can't really leave that. I mean, I understand if if someone is just going to upload a full um, Sony Entertainment Picture movie up there, take that stuff down. No problem. But if you're actually claiming legitimate stuff, you should be hit with something.
0: Oh, I agree. And even if
1: it's only just, let's say, making a deposit of a certain sum of money that can then be held against you in in escrow until the thing is resolved.
0: So, yeah, and I would just like to say This is not the right way to handle this. But I will say, if a company took this person's music and didn't pay them for it and then used it in a published product, fuck them. But this is not the way to handle it.
1: Yeah, never. Just take it up with the real person. Apparently she was also, there were basically offers or threats from her um, towards the YouTubers telling them that if they were going to escalate with the developer and causing problems there, she would release the claims. I mean, that's just extortion at that point. It's just extortion. Oh, yeah.
0: That's like uh, someone buying a car from someone and it turns out that Ford didn't pay for what they were supposed to for one of the parts. So the company that makes the parts goes and torches your car. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, okay, no. But, uh, but
1: yeah. They can just do it. Some random nut job can just threaten the livelihood. Just think mm-hmm. about someone who has actually three of these videos, gets three DMCA claims, mm-hmm. gets those copyright strikes, and then the channel's gone channel is just gone no matter how yeah. much you invested in that channel that scares me
0: that really scares me <laughs> and that's yes and that's another youtube issue yeah that's that's terrifying i agree yeah absolutely so i guess we're going to move on to some games before we get on to the e3 thing i just want to ask you so and i heard you bitching about it on twitter what did you buy in the steam summer sale nothing you didn't buy anything what were you downloading that, that you were bitching about endless space 2 oh right did i buy that for you no the dev studio contacted me
1: and asked if i would Play it and I had a bit of a back and forth with them concerning problems with Sega and the Shining Force incident from 2012 where they nuked a bunch of channels and since Amplitude belongs to Sega yeah, Total Biscuit has lifted his boycott uh, mainly because it didn't do much right? I'm still going back and forth on whether to actually put it on the channel or not
0: Yeah, it's interesting. i played it. Um, I really like the, the questing stuff that they have. And not really the questing stuff but it's the first. even Even compared to Stellaris, to be perfectly honest, it's the first space 4x i've played where i actually feel like the the stuff that you know what it is it's stellaris gives you events that happen in your empire right but they always have this certain detachment that feel procedurally generated mm-hmm. um and stuff that happens in Endless space 2, at least the little bit i've been able to play which is mainly only probably four hours uh they they feel more like i care more Right? I mean, like in Stellaris example, right? Something that happens with a faction, and you care because it's going to impact your stats. Mm-hmm. Right? Whereas in this, it's like, stuff happens to the faction, and I'm like, oh, I care about that faction. What are they doing? Blah, 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 blah. blah right? Which which actually, I've never actually gotten out of a 4, 4X space game at all. So that's actually quite interesting. Um, and actually, I think it's interesting that they're able to do that better than Stellaris... And it be a turn-based game because obviously Stars has a little bit more of a real-time feel because mm-hmm. you know there is time, an actual time aspect there, or, or a um, visual like a feedback time. Technically, there is time in turn-based game, but anyway, yeah, it's interesting. I'm interesting to know, interested to know what you think about it after you do play it. Um, have you played it at all?
1: I have been, uh, yeah, I've been. Let's just have a look. Trying to put a little bit of time in it. I just had to learn it. Yeah. Um I've played 3 hours so far. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um but I was I was playing most of that with a murderous hangover. <laughs> oh. Cuz one of my yeah, one funny. of my oldest friends turned 30 and I was, yeah, at his party nice. and then the next day I tried to I tried to play it and I wasn't succeeding at all. It is actually um kind of a a complex game.
0: Yeah, 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 it is actually. Um it's interesting. Um and the races have uh they play I wouldn't say significantly different, but they play different enough that it actually um, impacts the play style significantly. Yeah, certainly um, the strongest
1: in... point from uh,
0: from what I've seen so far. I'm playing the synthetic um,
1: vampires that are only living on the ark ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are actually yeah, somehow that's a good example. Processing um, other people, and trying to create some more of their own population, than out of them. That's really interesting. That's what what has drawn me in so far. <laughs>
0: Yep, interesting stuff. I I picked up um, mainly stuff that uh, I've kind of wanted for a while. Uh, I picked up Shadow of Mordor just because it's a great game, and the definitive edition was like five bucks. Um, I picked up, um, oh, I picked up Sniper Elite 4 and Mm -hmm. I wanted it for a long time. And it finally hit me because I played like three hours of it. Uh, over the weekend, Sniper Elite 4 is like the best and worst game for me, right? It's the best game for me in that it is the type of gameplay I love. I love stealth gameplay, right? It's great. Mm -hmm. I love stealth gameplay where position matters, you know, you have to take into account sound, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. You know, a game where you actually can get like a ghost rating on a mission, right? And it's the worst game for me because stealth games like that take fucking forever to play. (laughs) Right? Because you wait a lot. And I don't mind waiting, like, as far as the gameplay is concerned. I I like that in a stealth game. That's really cool. But I do not have time for that level of gameplay, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm not sure how much I'm going to be able to play of it because... Yeah, And I can't get myself to run through it like guns blazing because that just ruins the game for me. Did you shoot so, someone in that... the dick already? <laughs> Actually I did, but not on purpose. It was hilarious because they did that whole x-ray thing and the shot came through and it was coming right through his thing and I'm like, are those his testicles? And then they exploded and I shivered a little bit and then it said, uh... testicle shot and I'm like, oh damn. Oh, that's painful. So... Uh, even, the thought, <laughs> yeah. even the thought hurts me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Speaking,
1: speaking of games that... Um that we don't have time for I've been playing a mad amount of Elite Dangerous in the past and oh, yeah. now they got sort of a new uh, patch coming up and the aliens have actually returned the the Thargoids and oh, they cool. have massive yes. alien structures in space and all that that's um, another game I have no time to play <laughs> And I don't I don't either anymore. I've been I in the past I would have gone back and said, Yeah, I'm gonna back gonna get back into it but they said they are gonna rework some some basic um, gameplay things but yeah, I mean, I'm also at the at the max level of the grind. I've grinded everything. Mm-hmm. I got everything. What what else is there to do? I mean, yeah. And the the alien structures. Honestly, I can watch a video for that. It's sad. Yes, I really would like to see more stuff added to the game and some meaningful interaction. But their insistence on. Uh, it was originally supposed to be single-player um, as well, and now it has this sort of forced online, always online thing oh, because right, they're yeah. running the background simulation with the prices and all that. I think that is hamstringing them in uh, to an amazing degree. Because they have always to to think about how that impacts the background simulation and all that kind of stuff. It's an interesting simulation as it, as it is a simulation of the galaxy and all the planets and then they got their starforge thing that sort of created all these um star systems and stars and all that according to certain um formulas physical formulas and all that stuff so like sort of getting realistic star systems and can um but as a game it's just not there yet so I'm not gonna play it <laughs> I also don't have gotcha. the time for
0: it yeah. I think I also picked up, uh, let's see, Sniper Elite, uh, Shadow of Mordor. Oh, I picked up Doom, finally. Um, uh-huh. I, oh, yeah, I picked up Watch Dogs 2, uh, which I normally would have never bought, but honestly, I, I've heard enough people, including Total Biscuit and other people, say that it's actually really great. So Because I, I like the premise. I like the premise of the first one, but it was just a mm-hmm. mess, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what else? I picked up one other thing I'm trying to remember. Oh, I picked up uh, Supreme Commander Forged Alliance. Because mm-hmm. there's actually a really interesting mod for that that puts uh, that allows you to play co-op. Not that I ever have time to play with anyone. I don't know why. And it, I don't know why I picked it up, but um, it allows you to play I'm the ready. actual single. Yeah, yeah, it actually lets you play the single-player campaign in co-op, which nice. is really awesome. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. really cool. I've watched some g- gameplay of it. It's pretty cool. So, oh, um, oh, 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 oh. I picked up Ashes of the Singularity. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. how's it? I, you know, it's it's a pretty game. It just you know, there's a level of polish on games, mm-hmm. and this one feels like a lower polished indie title. Oh. And it it just, and it, it runs weird. And I'm running a beefy box here, and it wasn't, actually, that's the thing. When I say it runs weird, I don't mean I was having frame drops or frame rate issues at all. Mm-hmm. It just it's runs weird. Like for instance, when you use your keyboard to move the camera around, it has momentum to it, like a lot of momentum to the camera. Mm-hmm. So you like press left and the camera goes, and you let off and it slides. Oh gosh, I hate that. It's, it's hate really that. annoying. Yeah, it's really and it's stuff. It's stuff like that It's uh. just. Yeah, and like in, in the tutorial the very first level you're supposed to take your little scout thing and go over and find this thing And so I go over and find this thing and the thing I'm supposed to find starts firing at me which they never said it was supposed like Like, the, what they had said implied that it was one of our things that we needed to grab. Mm-hmm. And then... So I died, and they specifically said that if this died, I would lose my connection to the planet type thing, blah, 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 and I would fail the mission. So I died, but I died, like, I guess, a second or two before, like, the mission ended... So like so I got the objective. So I like died, I exploded, mm-hmm. and then suddenly the thing goes black and it shows the cutscene and I'm there again. <laughs> I'm like Nice. Okay. It's <laughs> that type of polish things, right? Uh, it's like they just yeah. didn't they, and there's stuff like that all the way through it and I'm just like it is a mess, so I just uninstalled it.
1: That actually reminds me of a game I played way back. Have you ever played Star Wars Force Commander? I've
0: heard of it. I've never played
1: it. Uh, it was very interesting because I, I was spending a whole evening just learning the camera controls because they had such a crazy camera control That's system. That's terrifying. Yeah, that <laughs> actually didn't get very good reviews, but I... I loved it because it was a Star Wars strategy game, but looking back, it might actually not be a great game. <laughs> <laughs> Removing uh, all the nostalgia from it. I just yeah,
0: I've, I liked it, but yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay, so we want to run through E3 stuff real quick? Yeah, just just a quick uh rundown, I guess. One of the, one of the things I'm looking forward to the most, I would have to say is the Age of Empires Definitive Edition. Um, I as long as you don't have to buy it through the Windows Store, which you probably will. Actually. And yeah, if, that's
1: that's a thing. That's why I'm not going to buy
0: it. I won't buy it. Yeah. I'm not going to buy it. Yes. If
1: I have to go with the Windows store, uh, that is the game that I that started my gaming career, Age of Empires.
0: Mhm. It, it started your gaming career as like a YouTuber or no, it just no. started your, my, my your personal, as a gamer?
1: Well, actually my personal gaming history goes back to Flight Simulator on oh yeah, on DOS, I think. Oh yeah. But yeah, that mm-hmm. is sort of the first thing uh, game that I personally got for myself and
0: uh, consciously where i still have lots of memories that's awesome yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to it i I hope that they they release it normally because uh, anyway um i think that we need to give an honorable mention to xbox one x weird name um it's just the xbox now yeah yeah exactly (laughs) that's the abbreviation (laughs) xbox Uh, long story short (laughs) it has more beefy specs that's pretty much it
1: uh, you know my PC I mean, yawns. Which is great.
0: Although I find it funny, I find it funny that, that that the the whole, not the whole, but a large portion of the whole console appeal for people is that they can buy one, you know, for the next four years or so, yeah. and they're just good. And then, but they keep, like, releasing, there was the Xbox and the Xbox One, I mean the Xbox One, then the Xbox One S, and the Xbox One X now, right? And there's the PlayStation 4, and then the PlayStation 4 Pro. And I'm sure they're going to follow up with something, right? And it's just it's 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 odd. I'm like, okay, so the next the next step is for them to do a console which has replaceable parts, and then it's just a fucking PC. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's a PC anyway, worse. but I mean it's it's just a PC. Yeah. So um, I think they just shat
1: the bed at the beginning of this um, console generation when they made their thing massively underpowered. I mean, PS4 is also yeah underpowered, but uh, oh yeah,
0: a little Absolutely. bit
1: less so um, back then.
0: Yeah. Oh, well. I actually <laughs> own an Xbox One S that I actually bought specifically to play 4K Mm Blu-rays. And actually, it's sitting in a box over here, and I bought a Samsung 4K Blu-ray player because the Blu-ray player on this thing is a fucking app, Mm -hmm. and it's shit. Like, they released an update, like... Three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and me and my fiancé sat down to watch, oh, we were going to watch Alien because she hadn't seen it, and Alien Covenant was coming up, right? And it was desynced. Okay. Like, like it, 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 and the only thing I could do was turn the surround sound off, which sucks, mm-hmm. and then that didn't fix it, that just made it a little bit better. Okay. And then, of course, then, like, a yeah. week later, they released another OS update, and it was fixed. And I'm like, fuck that. My whole point about having a Blu-ray and a player is I want to put the disc in, and I want it to run good. So, um, So, yeah, I'm going to put this thing on Craigslist, fuck that. Um and it's annoying because the only reason that I bought an Xbox instead of a PS4 Pro, because most of the exclusives on PS4 that I would actually play on a console are on or, I mean most of the console exclusives that I would actually want to play are on the PS4. Um but yeah, the only reason I bought year. this was because of the four K Blu-ray support. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I'm like, ah fuck it. Anyway, so um but yeah, moving on. Um did you see the suffer anthem Bioware's new thing? Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> you need to work on you know this is a podcast we're supposed to talk about things you need to work on not giving away so much just with your inflection at the beginning why not it's great <laughs> saves a lot of time for people no i mean it it, it looks good
1: no i i have no way to judge it the the main oh, thing right, that, right. I, no that i sort of noticed with myself as i was watching those um traders is that i'm getting old i'm sort of all these trailers are just sort of the kind of edgy mm-hmm. that I can't go for anymore. The yeah, the mega super heavy action fight scenes and set to yeah. a 60s movie tune, trailers. set to yeah. a 60s tune. It's so it's so pseudo edgy, mm-hmm. which which annoys me. But the anthem trailer, I mean, at least it showed gameplay, right? That that was nice. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm really not looking for another multiplayer game.
0: Oh yeah, I'm not either. They're, they're, well, that's my problem is like there's all these multiplayer games i'd like to play but i just never have time to play them
1: yeah and i mean i'm interacting with people all day when i'm when i'm playing games just for me myself personally i i want escapism i don't i don't want exactly crazy, i want, don't want crazy gamer dude bro in my mm-hmm. game with me running through the dungeon i had that in world of warcraft and that gets stressful mm-hmm. come on tank gotta gotta do this faster come on go on go on
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, I want I want immersion. I want something that takes me out of the real world, you know? Which is why I like narrative in games cuz usually you only get that really in narrative stuff. Yeah, anyway, so yeah, it looks interesting and the thing is it's not even worth saying that it looks it looks good, it looks beautiful because it's Frostbite. So pretty much anything from EA these days is going to be on Frostbite, and Frostbite is a really, really nice engine. It yeah, is.
1: it looks amazing. So,
0: so everything's going to look amazing on Frostbite. In fact, almost all the stuff from Bethesda these days, the newer stuff, is going to be um, either id-tech directly or based on id-tech, like the Void engine in Dishonored 2, and, and uh, you know, it's going to look good. Uh, I don't think the id-tech stuff looks quite as good as Frostbite, but but it's it's close enough. I agree. So, I actually, um, I,
1: uh, I watched one of the Fallout 4 VR trailers, that mm-hmm. game does not look good.
0: It already no, oh, didn't no. look good when it came out. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. It looked dated it when it came out. Badly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, and the thing is, like, before I would have said, well, they had to do that because they wanted to put more, like, geometric stuff on the screen, right? They wanted more trash, yeah, for lack of a better word, right? And so they needed to downgrade the fidelity of everything, but these days... Like, you, you look at the stuff that comes that's coming out on Frostbite or Unreal Engine 4 and stuff like that, they do stuff like that all the time. That has all the same amount of complexity on the screen, as, and it looks so much better. What the hell? Maybe
1: anyway. they should have made an effort to keep Junk Ramek. Yeah. Just saying, just saying. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Um, well, well, no,
0: but, but Fallout 4 is not id tech. No, but it, it might that's the be if they, moving if better
1: it. with a programming genius at oh, the helm. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. that's my train
0: of thought yeah no I agree well I mean the thing is we have a lot of really good engines out there right now and if we had to have carmack somewhere I I'm okay with having him on the VR side because he he's the type of person that he's not just a programmer he's a he is an actual engineer I mean like like remember he actually owns a rocket company called armadillo aerospace like mm-hmm. like he's a he he is an engineer uh nerd right and so um I think that ha- having him work on the VR thing is probably I would probably choose that. You know, so yeah, no. Personally,
1: uh, that's fine. Um, it's just for yeah. uh, it's a sad thing for Bethesda.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think Bethesda needs to understand that they can't use. I think one of the reasons that they use that engine is because that engine supported more of the uh, like the stuff they wanted to do with like settlement building and stuff easier. But I yeah. think that they just need to build that stuff into id Tech or do kind of what Dishonored did, where they actually have a sub engine that's based on a idTech fork right and and do that you know so that you have that visual stuff mm-hmm. so um i think that mainly fallout 4 was probably not probably it was started far before the id software acquisition so they probably didn't have easy access to it anyway so once so? i get like a f- you think so yeah i think so yeah that's a while I mean, you back not even after they bought, even after they bought id Software, their next few games didn't use the id tech. I think Doom was the first one that used the id tech. No, 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 no. yeah, no, 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 no. In fact, if I remember correctly, and I'll have to look. Don't quote me on this, but I, I believe Wolfenstein: The New Order was not id tech, or was it? I think it was Unreal Engine, wasn't it?
1: I don't know, but it looks like they actually only got bought in 2009. I did not know that. I thought they were belonging to them. It hasn't for been a long that long. Time. Yeah. Holy
0: cow. It hasn't been that long. And so, um, and like, I mean, you know, Fallout 4 had what, like four, five, six years of, you know, ramp up and development time and stuff. You know, I mean, you know, it's it'd been a while. So I'm hoping that the newer stuff, it looks like the newer stuff that Bethesda's put out now is all based on an in-tech course, which is good. So anyway. Hard uh, times oh.
1: coming for Bethesda. Um, especially after Witcher 3. Um, if, yeah. gonna, if you go back to Skyrim yeah. after Witcher 3, um, yeah, mm. looks old. It looks really What's interesting old.
0: is actually, actually, I um, I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole in this, but I remember hearing, and I forget who it was, they were talking about Uh, the new Assassin's Creed, the the Empire one or whatever it is that's in Egypt. They're talking about how a lot of the stuff that they showed in the gameplay trailers, which I haven't actually seen yet, Mm -hmm. looked like that team was like, oh, here's Assassin's Creed and our normal mechanics portfolio, and here's The Witcher 3. What can we snipe from The Witcher 3's awesome combat mechanics and pull them into Assassin's Creed? Because there's a lot of stuff in Assassin's Creed, the new one that's coming, that feels or looks like it's highly influenced by the witcher's three combat mechanics
1: i'm all for it i'm all for it yeah, oh, that's the way the industry
0: Absolutely. grows exactly that's exactly what you want okay so um did, i assume you watched the trailer for metro exodus yeah i did i actually really liked it that looks yeah, amazing it looks, it looks really interesting i i will just point out metro has always i think one of its characteristics like core and i've read the books uh uh-huh. Well, I I haven't read the one this game is based on because I think it's in German and it hasn't been translated. Mm -hmm. Is it in German or... Uh, No, it's in... uh... Is it German? No. uh, No, the the
1: author of the other books is Ukrainian. Okay,
0: right, right, yeah um and it hasn't been translated for some weird reason. Um I actually found a version that somebody translated personally, but mm-hmm. it just wasn't up to snuff. I was like it, it was one of those things where it, it was worth reading, but I didn't want to ruin the experience from having an amateur translation. So after like a chapter I stopped. Um, yeah, that's and, a that's a and, problem
1: you know. that I often have with the LibriVox audiobook recordings. Oh, yeah? That's a, sort of a free um, platform oh. where people can record their own audiobook interpretations, and you get a lot of classics like, I don't know, Jane Austen or... Oh, that's cool. I haven't heard of that. Yeah, the problem is that the quality is uh, kind of very mixed. You get people that really know their stuff, and then you get some, some amateurs that are uh, yeah, not yeah, doing bet, it yeah. well. And then overall, it's kind of a jarring experience sometimes.
0: I bet, yeah. So anyway, I think one of the core things about Metro has always been a certain amount of claustrophobia, right? I mean, even if you don't suffer from claustrophobia, it's like, you know, you're down in a freaking Metro system. (laughs) That's the whole point, right? And there's everything's enclosed. And any time that you're not in an enclosed area, it's constant danger pretty much Mm -hmm. because the outside is, is fucked. And this is pretty much sandbox. So I don't know, like it looks like it's at least open world to sandbox. I don't know how sandboxy it is, but it is open world, it seems. And that's cool. I actually really like that from a narrative point of view because Metro's always made me think, okay, so what's happening in other places in the world? Like, because one of the things I like about stuff like that is like from a narrative point of view, if everything went to shit and for instance, you were stuck in a massive Metro system because everything was radiated above, how would you rebuild? How would civilization rebuild? I really like that stuff. So this looks really cool, especially the part at the very end That's the part that really interests me about the thing where there's a train Mm -hmm. that's running and there's someone on it and he's catching. I'm like, okay, I have questions now. Thank you, which is really awesome. But at the same time, as far as gameplay, I don't know if it, if they're pretty much just going, okay, we've done the whole claustrophobic, you know, sneaking through places and now we're going to a completely open world thing, which is going to pretty much change the game completely. Um, and I hope it can handle that because there are a lot of open world sandbox stuff. You yeah, know? and it looked like we'll
1: see. I got the same Metro vibe I got from the from the other games, so I'm I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Shadow of War looks interesting. Have you heard much about it? Like as far as like uh, you, you got to take
1: of... that one. I didn't. I didn't okay. get to watch the trailer. I, I uh, okay. also am um, yeah, kind of happy that, that I didn't get to trailer. it because I still have to play of of um Shadow of Mordor.
0: It doesn't give away anything, but um, uh, I know a little bit about short. the
1: story where they where they're trying to go full crazy mode with it now. Where you make yeah, your own yeah. ring
0: in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the coolest things that I find interesting about it is you know one of the things that made um, Shadow of Mordor. As interesting, and by the way, is the Steam Summer Sale still on? I don't know, but I've I've been thinking well, the is, same thing. The I Shadow gotta buy of Mordor the is like five bucks. Yeah, you you should definitely grab it. Or I could grab it for you. I don't care. Um, but anyway, one one of the interesting things about the Shadow of Mordor, which you probably have heard by now, is their their rival system. I don't know if they call it rival system. It's called. Uh, but anyway, it's the whole thing where there are like orcs and stuff who are heads of these groups, right? And you have to track them down and then try to kill them, and they remember what you've done to them and their people, <laughs> and if you don't kill them, for example, the first time, they come back stronger, and yeah, yeah, they'll get more I've, pissed I've off that. with you, and they'll, st- and they'll start hunting you and stuff. Yeah. Well, one of the cool things about this, supposedly, is that you can, and they haven't told how that works exactly, but you can actually beat a rival of yours and then recruit them, and I don't know if it's like a voluntary recruit or if, you know, there's magic involved, but you can recruit them to work for you. And they bring their people with you. And like, like, like the paint colors and stuff on their armor and stuff change. And so, so in that trailer, there's actually a point where the ghost side of you, that elf ghost, actually mm-hmm. it says we need to build our army and so the whole point is you're actually building an army and these people start working for you which is kind of cool
1: <laughs> okay that's that's pretty yeah. nice uh you could also do that in the in the normal in the, in the previous shadow of Mordor, right you could uh...
0: i don't think you could get them to work for you i think you just had to kill them no i think i think, I think
1: you could actually um take possession of them and then uh, make them your thrall and then send them to uh, a meeting with their higher-ups, and then use them as an assassin against that one, uh, against the the next-level hmm. boss. I think I've um, seen yeah, someone uh, do that.
0: I hadn't got that far in the game, I don't know, but but I do know that people have been talking about this being a different thing, so I don't know. I'm obviously talking out of my ass, because I don't know. So, uh, but, uh, yeah. So yeah, nice that the nemesis system is making a comeback. Nemesis, <laughs> thank you. Not rival, nemesis. Yeah. So, um, and then there was the Wolfenstein The New Colossus Announcement, which i'm totally hyped for because i love the the, the the first game but we're not really going to talk about that because i know you don't give a shit um where are the germans kill all we're, the germans no no the nazis there's a difference um anyway the uh but i did want to talk to you uh shortly just quickly about the trailer especially the live action portion of the trailer yeah <laughs> <laughs> because it was a total lassie thing right yeah <laughs> it, it was weird i wonder how they came up with that I think it was, well, it's not how they came up with it. They were they were going for the same thing that they did with the first one, tr- trying to take these um, established, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s type values or, or uh, cliches almost in Western culture and shift them into an alternate history. Yeah. But, but it was have, odd.
1: It didn't quite work because it was neither this nor that. If they were trying to make it like a Nazi propaganda video or propaganda video, um... They would never have taken someone with that kind of hair and, and that kind of look.
0: Well, yeah, but they were doing it in the U.S. though, so... Yeah, but so... Under,
1: under Nazi rule, in it?
0: Yeah, yeah. So they got their, but, but their like...
1: Aryan ideal and all that kind of stuff, and they're not going to move away from that.
0: Um, I don't know. I actually have you seen have you seen well, actually you probably haven't because I know you, you don't really enjoy this stuff, but uh the man in the high castle, right? They're they're there's stuff in obviously they're still very pro white, let's say that. But um but there is it's not that everyone's because in the US if you're gonna take over the US unless you're just gonna kill, you know. Eighty percent of the population. Um, there's not. You're not going to get the blonde-haired, blue-eyed thing out of that many people. You here. really think the Nazis wouldn't percentage.
1: be up to killing eighty percent of the population?
0: Well, it depends. If they want the resources, they wouldn't, because 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 you wouldn't have enough people to actually work the resources, right? I mean, uh. you would you would devastate the economy right everything would fall into shitstorm and you would have a logistical nightmare that we're going down a massive rabbit hole there that we're not going to do anyway i <laughs> thought i thought the live-action trailer part of that the live-action part of that trailer was hilarious um or odd uh and so yeah but we'll move on uh th- th- this is a short um thing we had talked about i think we talked about it last week so it won't be actually the, the the episode we didn't actually release but um the secret world legends is being relaunched as a what is it? It is a multiplayer RPG, is what they're calling. Um, and so they're focusing more instead of, of it being an M mode. There's actually a hub and stuff like that. So it's an RPG where you mm-hmm. can you can go into dungeons and stuff with people, blah, blah, blah. And it actually, I think it released this week. So um, I haven't got to play it yet, but it looks interesting. And as I Actually, I think that was last week. That was last episode as well. We didn't talk about it. Secret World has a very interesting questing system that's not like hold your hand through the whole thing. So you have to actually do like do detective work and things like that, and some research on, on quests, which is actually r- really unique for an MMO and really cool. And supposedly all that's still in there. And uh, they they kind of dumbed down the actual uh, the skill system stuff. That there's actually some classes now because p- mm-hmm. people are like, this is crazy. I don't understand how this worked um which is sad but also impacts your bottom line so i understand why they did it and so yeah but uh, might be worth checking out uh are you gonna play it it's actually
1: kind of sad yeah. that we're gonna lose the last episode there was a lot of good stuff in there secret wars I'm, discussion i might stitch some stuff in we'll see our discussion about the throne book was also in that one. I Oh think. yes
0: i'll definitely have to <laughs> stitch stitch that in so so just so everyone knows um my recording situation is about exactly the same but Horath has actually moved and has um a very nice womb he's built for himself around his mic now do so, not uh, call it the womb <laughs> the, <laughs> the, you you told me you I said how is it no, you no, said no, it well, feels I... like I'm in the womb
1: Yeah yeah I <laughs> I said it is like I did not say I'm in the womb <laughs>
0: Okay. Um anyway, so so if if you hear some other conversations stitched in here, they're probably from the last show and he might sound just a tiny bit more echoey. I don't think he was as echoey as he feared, but um I don't think echoey is a word maybe it should be I
1: think echoey is a word so let's let's move on secret world play it and then tell me what you think
0: I will I will yeah uh we need a podcast so we can discuss stuff like that on Oh man that would be nice I know wouldn't it yeah um <laughs> I mean a podcast that people actually listen to so um anyway uh, Bethesda did their whole like VR lineup thing so fallout vr did doom vfr and skyrim vr now i want to ask yeah. you real quick um the doom the, you saw the video for the doom vfr right which i just uh, assume is virtual fucking reality um <laughs> because they they call definitely, it that. definitely definitely right. yeah bfg but did you actually see the gameplay video on there i watched the skyrim oh, oh, oh. one okay and okay. i watched the
1: fallout one uh the, the the fallout one actually did give me nausea
0: right okay the Doom one won't give you nausea because that's what I'm asking about. Did you see their solution, quote unquote, for movement nope. in VR?
1: What, what are they doing? Teleportation?
0: Uh, they're doing teleportation. It is interesting, though. It's not just, like, a native teleportation thing. It's actually supposedly something that actually attaches Oh, they building to it you. into
1: the game. Right, they're it's in the game, the game, and game. it actually nice. has has yeah. a
0: narrative point to it, which is interesting. Um, Makes sense. I'm not, I'm not sure I would actually enjoy gameplay like that. I think that it would break my immersion immediately. Well, I, honestly, not to mention, there's no fucking way I will ever play Doom in VR. Okay, that's just nightmare fuel right there.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. okay, I can see where you're coming yeah, from. Yeah, no way. <laughs> Didn't I see Blaskowitz, the the hero of Wolfenstein Two New Colossus, also move around in a wheelchair? Yes,
0: yes, yes. And, he in actually one of the scenes. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, but maybe He's, they got something uh, going on there. Bethesda. I heard something about that. I can't remember. But anyway, yes, it looks interesting. I, I don't know. I don't know that I'm ever going to enjoy anything in vr where you're teleporting or you're just stuck in a position it's just not my thing i mean like what else can you do well exactly that's my point actually there is something you can do which i have an idea about but we're running behind time and so that's not worth talking about right now anyway um uh sitting I mean,
1: in a cockpit is the only thing that you can do
0: oh well yeah there's that too yeah absolutely because that, that
1: works mm-hmm. that works really well yeah.
0: Um I think that I think that t- to get any like really good VR experience with like a first person shooter is you would almost see and I just said I wasn't going to talk about this. Anyways, think about I don't know in Germany and here we have I mean it's not like huge but in most places there are like laser tag places mm-hmm. you can go.
1: That's here that's here as well.
0: Okay, so think about if you took, like, a laser tech thing, which has a large area already, right, with with some obstacles and stuff, but you wouldn't even really need all the obstacles. But obviously, if it was a larger area, you would have support pillars at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And the game would need to support understanding that those support pillars exist, and yeah. and just... And not, not blatantly, like, you look out into the open and you see nothing but, like, rock pillars, but it would need to have a level that can change enough to where the support pillars are inside a wall somewhere right type thing and then you could actually have multiplayer matches somewhat right not
1: necessarily even you could you could sort of have a dynamic range of objects that could be in this in the place where you have the pillars like even a, a big plant or something oh, sure sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. thing
0: or uh, a, a pillar Anything that or block, b- blocks you from going there absolutely yeah yeah, and then and then you could actually have multiplayer matches in real life, like Lasertag, right? But everybody's wearing a VR goggles.
1: And Yeah, that would look very stupid from the outside, but, well, well, yeah, would but it'd who be cares? awesome from e- the inside. Everyone who
0: plays VR looks <laughs> stupid from the outside. But yeah, um it would be it would be Pretty interesting, and actually, if you think about it from a an actual like a service point of view, like someone did that, it actually wouldn't be that expensive. It wouldn't be re- near as expensive, like a- as far as location and stuff, as even a VR place, because there's actual obstacles you have to upkeep and all that stuff, and blah blah blah, and, and keep people from climbing on shit and blah blah blah. This would just pretty much be like an open freaking warehouse right? It wouldn't even need to look good, right? Like like the walls and ceilings and stuff could be plywood if you wanted to, because it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be looking at it. You know, Um, like the most expensive thing would be the goggles, which you, you would roll into the prices of rental and then the sensors, you know, and that's really about it. It'd be interesting. But anyway, okay, so last on the list for uh, E3 here that we're going to talk about. Oh, I, I will give an honorable mention, just because the trailer is so fucked up and weird. The Beyond Good and Evil 2. If you haven't seen the trailer for that, with, with the swearing monkey I have heard of it uh, very that interesting is trailer enough yeah. of me <laughs> actually aesthetically it looks really interesting but anyway um i I'll just give a mention to battlefront 2 just because it's Star wars and blah 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 and um while the multiplayer looks almost exactly as the old one because it's it's they're both for frostbite uh the single player is what I actually care about what I'm actually interested in we'll see um actually did we talk about the whole battlefront thing last the the last episode that we didn't release? I think we did. I have no idea. Okay. Well, anyway, you told me. I didn't even know, but actually my friend Janina was actually presenting the Battlefront 2 stuff um, at E3, which was interesting. Um and that's cool, but I'm actually really interested in the upcoming uh, Inferno Squad novel, which is coming up. And they actually, have some something to say about that in the book section here in a minute. Yeah,
1: I'm actually, from what I've seen, I've I've seen the trailer, I've seen that presentation because I was actually watching the E3 Snarkathon by Total Biscuit of mm-hmm. the E3 conference. Um, and then I saw her, and then I then I messaged you. But mm-hmm. I'm really happy that they're going that route down now. I mean, I would have liked to see Battlefront One well oh, battlefront 1 the previous battlefront title mm-hmm. to come out with a single player campaign i think it's a damn shame oh, that they didn't it was I a agree. blatant money grab for the movie release and yep. i'm happy i didn't spend any money on it so <laughs> uh, but i'm i'm going to i think i'm going to buy battlefront 2 just for the single player campaign yeah. if it is any good it looks looks very nice the only thing that um, hasn't really been addressed from what i've seen is yeah the fact that if you are getting the hero in a match the match is fun for you and for no one else.
0: Yeah, honestly, this is in uh, most people are going to disagree with me on this, but honestly, I I kind of wish in the multiplayer matches the heroes were NPCs. That actually might not be a bad idea. Like like I don't need to play. I don't even want to play Maul in a m- multiplayer game. I wouldn't plan playing Maul in like a single player campaign. That'd be actually that'd be kind of cool. Anyway, but but like but like in, a, in a, like I don't want to play a game where I feel like I'm a god. And I'm playing against real other people, it it, it just, like, what's the, that's, that's dumb. That's like, for me at least, that's like the same people that cheat while playing multiplayer games. I'm like, what's the point? I mean, obviously, this isn't cheating. It's probably more balanced than that. But still, yeah, it's just like, eh, whatever. You know, I've
1: played, I've played Battlefront, uh, one of the older titles. I think it was Battlefront 2 as well then, um, with my brother extensively. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you're playing against another person, one other person that you know, it's kind of fun um, because you can, try to time it so that both of you have a hero right Mm -hmm. and then it's then it's actually pretty fun to mow down the the smaller guys and uh maybe try to find the other dude but um if you're playing open matches with a lot of people it just uh yeah Yeah. it becomes the purge or or something the purge (laughs)
0: yeah uh yeah that's good Or I wouldn't mind, like, it would be interesting if there were matches where one side, there were, like, 30 people that were all playing normal characters, and then one side, there was a hero. Like an asymmetric type thing? asymmetrical...
1: Yeah, yeah, like, but it has to be properly designed as a, oh, sure. a whole okay, other sorry. can of
0: worms. No, what I was suggesting is they do it that way, and they don't properly design it just for fun. That's then a, no, I'm messing with you.
1: Anyway, yeah, so. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> it's uh, it's late. I've been I've been yeah. working all day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm messing with you. Okay, so um, I think that that gets us through the the E3 stuff. Yay, we're done on that. Great. Um, yeah, I'll throw real quick that I've I played some Prey and Dishonored 2. Nice. How far are you? Or less. Uh in The 2, I think I'm about halfway through. Mm-hmm. In Prey, I'm about 5% through. Prey's not grabbing me. It's not. I don't know, it's weird. It's it's like um and it's not the gameplay, the gameplay's great. It's just that mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't know what it is. And like like the aesthetic is great. It's like sci-fi. It's you know it's all it's like sci-fi mixed with it's it's very BioShock influenced on the aesthetic, mm-hmm. which is fine. I have no problem with that. But it's I don't know, it's just not grabbing me. It's odd. I don't know. I think it terrifies me. I'm not sure. Anyway, um, so there's that. But yeah, I'm really liking Dishonored 2. I mean, it's pretty much Dishonored with you know, a little bit nicer engine and, and but the narrative is great and it's fun and blah blah I'm actually playing the, the Corvo run through, so I haven't got as many differences from Dishonored as I would if I had played um What's-Her-Name? But uh, I like the Blink. It's fun. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, there's mm-hmm. actually this really interesting, Um, I'll say real quick, the current level I'm on and I don't want to give away any spoilers or anything but there's this point you go to where you're, you go to this mansion and it's like the source of this magical thing and your powers go out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Which, which when that happens, if you're me, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, this is why I shouldn't rely on those as much as I usually do. So you go through the thing, but there's hardly anyone there. Mm-hmm. If you did, did you play the first one? Nope, but I oh. watched. I watched a lot of it. Okay, great game. Anyway, but you know the, the like the outsider, the guy that you go to the void and he talks to you, and he's the one that g- gave you the powers in the first place. Mm-hmm. That guy, mm-hmm. yeah, he shows up and he gives you this device, which allows you because something happened in this in this house in the past, and he gives you yeah. this device, which allows you to flip between present day and that night in the same yeah. house. Spatially. That's a nice
1: narrative device.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. right so so it's it's actually interesting, like if you're wanting to switch and there's something in the way mm-hmm. of where you are in the past or in the f- present whichever one you're wanting to switch to, you can't switch right, but there's some okay. really interesting uh mechanical gameplay stuff there, like uh-huh. um uh, again, I don't want to give anything away, but like, like, there's this point where in, I think it's present day, you can see this break in the wall that you want to get through, but some concrete has fallen down and you can't get into it, right? And then you flip into the past, and there, in the past, like, in the present, it's completely ran down and there's stuff overgrowth everywhere and blah, blah, blah. And in the past, like, there's people there, they're having, like, an event type thing, and blah, 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 And so you ha- you're having to dodge guards and all this stuff. But there's a desk there, and there's no hole in the wall. And you're like, mm-hmm. what the hell? Blah blah blah. And so, but you find out that if you crouch down and you get under the desk and you flip back, you're under that piece of concrete, and you can get through the hole in the wall in the present. Nice. It's okay. really interesting things. And like, um, there's this, um, like like the, the whole the whole mechanic in the game with the um the blood the blood flies type thing is that they actually feed they actually kind of just spontaneously appear, uh, with dead bodies. And so yeah, the, in the past, the representation of the chaos you cause, right? Right. Yes. Yes. In the present day, you go into this area where there's a furnace and stuff that's like behind the kitchen type thing. And there's a vault, like a, a, a safe. But the safe has been knocked over. And the door, which has the combination on it in the present day, is covered by a nest of one of these things. And you can kill them and all this stuff, but the nest is still there. And there's this hound there that's been dead for a long time that they obviously came out of, and blah, blah, blah and but when you go in the past the safe is still there but you don't have the combination and you can't find the combination it's really annoying and the combination is covered by this nest and you're like going what the hell this is so annoying and so you look around because usually the combination is around somewhere and it's not and blah blah blah. and then finally i'm like okay wait a minute hold on a second hold on a second and in the past the hound is there dead but the flies haven't had a chance to do anything with it so i'm like Mm -hmm. i wonder so i like pick up the hound go over to the furnace. Open it up, throw the hound body in the furnace and cremate it. And then I pop back into present day. And because the body was there, the nest was gone. The nest is yeah. gone. And it was like really awesome. And it was stuff like that. And the cool thing about it that the last thing I'll mention is that those mechanics. There was no, like, they taught you how to use them, but it wasn't even, you know how when you're playing a game and especially in the beginning, they're doing this thing, it's like, oh, you can't get through here unless you crouch. and You're like, okay, they're teaching me how to crouch. They were teaching you how to do it, but it wasn't in an obvious manner. It was in this way that, like, you, you just had to work through these actually really cool puzzles and Mm -hmm. through working through the puzzles, you learned the mechanics of using this time shifting thing. And the cool thing was, so you went like, and by this time in the game, like five hours into the game or something, you've been using your powers this whole time. And that's great. And you get this point where they take away all your powers and they give you this time shift thing and they've completely rewritten all of the actual gameplay mechanics at this point in this place. And you're like, wow. And within like 10 minutes of play, they've taught you how to use the new game mechanics. Like the mm-hmm. game, the actual gameplay mechanics and it's like really fun and it's like this ref- and i assume it won't last real long and you'll go back to the other way but it's like this break in what was starting to become a little bit monotonous on the other stuff and then when you go back to it you'll be like oh this feels nice again i mean i'm sure i haven't actually gotten through this part but it's actually really interesting It's i was like this is actually this is nice i like this here so um yeah it's definitely worth a playthrough sounds very
1: much like portal actually that kind yeah. of sort of puzzling yeah. thing and the different parts. Actually,
0: yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that, that might have been an influence there. Yeah, very, very interesting stuff. Yeah, and then, oh, and then as you're right about the time that you feel that you're really um, feeling comfortable with this time-shifting mechanic, you end up going upstairs, which is interesting because in the past there's guards everywhere in the main corridor that has the stairs. But in the present, there's all this sand and dust that's broken through the upper window. And so you can literally like climb up this, this kind of like mound of sand that it goes all the way to the second floor and then flip back and you're now upstairs, which is interesting. But in like right about the point and literally the pacing amazing because right about the point you get comfortable with the mechanics, you get upstairs. And in the present day where there's been almost nothing of any threat. So you could always go back to it for safety real easy upstairs in the present day, there's blood fly stuff everywhere, right? Mm -hmm. But in the past, there's guards all over the place. So there's this really interesting thing where you're like Mm -hmm. running around and flipping back and then jumping over here and then flipping back and doing all this stuff. It's actually, it's it's really interesting. I was highly impressed and it's difficult to highly impress me these days. So yes, Dishonored 2.
1: Sounds like I gotta try it out then. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely, it's really good. Uh, So yeah, so do you have anything in the game's front other than this?
1: Um, yeah, I've, I've been playing a warrior again, <laughs> trying yeah. to build my my uh, battleship. But I've kind of stopped because the fighter mechanic. I like I like fighters and mm-hmm. a little craft that you can you can have in there, and you can do that over there too. But um, they controlling them is a little bit cumbersome and it is still riddled with bugs, which basically mm. makes fighters unviable because they, uh, due to some problem uh, with the engine, um, they always come out with zero HP, so mm. one HP then. So they are super squishy and you can't really use them and that destroyed my whole fantasy of playing it. So I'm going to wait until that one is fixed and um, then I'm going to jump back in, maybe even do a series with it cool
0: yeah i would i would love to get some time to do some multiplayer with you
1: on that stuff so um yeah they they've uh, i think they've already pushed the alliance update now and one of the cool things that they did now is that um I'm not sure if it's already live but in the beta you can pull ships from the workshop and you can upload your ships to the workshop which is really nice cuz there are a lot of amazing community creations already in the workshop and i can oh, wow. really see that giving the game a lot of um big push Nice. So the, Very cool. the usual Star Destroyer and uh, other uh, franchise stuff is on there.
0: Of course. Yes.
1: <laughs> different classes of the Star Destroyer, even the Imperial class. Ooh. And then, um, yeah,
0: different A ones. Bunch of them. Yeah, that's cool. So ha- have you played anything else? Well, I assume you have. Mm, no, no, no. Moving. Well, uh, well I, you know, know. I know you've been playing <laughs> Dolores because I've been watching them.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> what what about your mod? Tell me about your mod now. Come on. There is
0: no mod. I've just been, I've, I've been... My day usually goes like this. I wake up, I eat some food with my fiancé, she leaves, to go to the lab. I work all day until, like, eight or nine in the evening. And then I shower, and I get to sit in bed for, like, an hour while we have, like, the office on or something, while we unwind and we go to sleep. So, during that hour, I've been kind of, like, popping open my laptop and trying to get my head around, the, you know, the anatomy of a mod in Stellaris and blah blah. blah. Mm -hmm. And um, as we've talked about before, modding is only as effective as the developer wants it to be. Yeah. Part of the time that's a business decision and part of the time it's just that they haven't put as much time into it or whatever. Um, Stellaris is pretty moddable, not extremely, you know, but you know. eh. So I had this mod that I got an idea for while watching your stream, actually. So... I was watching the point where you were fighting the, what is it, the Unbidden? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hit me that an empire with your economical strength, right, it doesn't make sense that an empire like that would be moving fleets of the size, which I think at the time were about 200k, that -hmm. you were moving them around on the other side of the galaxy and that you wouldn't probably choose or at least have the option to put some type of forward operating facility out there right? Because if I remember Uh correctly, you had an issue where you needed repairs pretty badly, but it was such a long track back to your closest spaceport that you just didn't do it. And it hit me that if you actually could mod in a, like a spaceport that could be built, what I would prefer is not even over a planet, anywhere in a sector that didn't have to be in your sector, right? And and it, it could be anywhere normal or anywhere in a sector owned by a government you were at war with, even if it was extremely expensive, right? Because it would be a temporary thing. It wouldn't be something that you would build and leave there. That it might actually be worth it in a war, because obviously repairs are cheaper than just buying a new ship from scratch. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a a station, which you could build pretty much anywhere, not tanky. That wasn't the point. You would have to defend it somewhat, Mm -hmm. but would provide repair and possibly upgrade services at a Mm -hmm. diminished rate. And its cost was a multiplier, much like the influence build cost on frontier outposts, Mm -hmm. where the further away from your closest starport, the more expensive it got. And I'm talking about Mm -hmm. expensive, expensive, like in that case, just to pull something out of my ass, maybe a hundred energy a month, maybe the same in minerals, right? Which is a massive amount of money, but at that point in your economic place, right? It would almost be worth having something. If you're, let's say the war only lasted a year or two, If you think about it, if it's 100 a month for two years, what's that 2,400 energy credits? Yeah. For you to actually have a place where you could fall back three or four sectors and repair or do yeah. an upgrade would would actually probably be worth it to you at that point. And obviously, there's some balancing things there with the cost. And it would be something you would tear down afterward. And my best case scenario for this whole thing was it would be a spaceport, which would have modules like a normal s- spaceport, but it wouldn't have to, have to be over a planet. I mean, you could do that. That would be fine. It wouldn't be a huge deal. But it could be outside your area of influence there. And the modules would be somewhat customized, so you could probably add repair docks, or Mm -hmm. maybe upgrade docks, it depends, Um, or you could probably add something that wasn't weapons, it wasn't armaments, but it might be armor, so it might be like an armor shield thing that you could put in there to make it a little bit more beefy so it could hold out a little bit if you needed to get back there, but you would be sacrificing repair docks, which would increase your speed, obviously, of repair, Um, Mm -hmm. and then And and then while you were repairing the actual diminished um, cost maintenance on your fleets might go down, but not near as much as like a normal spaceport. And probably the maintenance costs on the station itself would would spike like while you were there, right? Because the whole point is you've got to move resources from your systems to this. And then so you would go out there and you would build it it would be expensive, it would be extremely expensive to upkeep, but you would only have it there while you were doing this forward push, so you would have something mm-hmm. closer to the line, like any modern military does these days, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's the balance, right? The balance would be, it would make more sense for you to do that and be able to save the ships in your fleet so you wouldn't have to rebuild them from scratch to make that worth it. And I think that obviously, as I think Sid Myers has said, you know, game design is all about giving the user interesting choices. It gives mm-hmm. you something else interesting to do. And originally, I would just call it just plainly boring forward operating station. But then I thought about calling it like forward colon operating station. And you could actually do a whole series of mods that are all about that type of thing. Like like things that would mm-hmm. allow you to mm-hmm. do temporary things to push, you know, support towards your front line. Yeah. The problem is, is that, and the reason that we're actually talking about it all, is that there are a lot of problems in Stellaris with doing that. So, for example... um from what i've been able to find there's no way to do that multiplier based on distance for energy or minerals uh-huh. on an upkeep okay. yeah. you can do yeah. it i think you can do it on a build cost but not on upkeep there are other things like uh you can't i don't think there's any way to build an actual spaceport that has module slots and when i say module slots i don't mean like the ship designer because Oh, by the way, stations are ships, by the way, uh, as far as Tolarz is concerned, which makes sense. I was actually looking for stations. and I'm like, hmm, actually, I can't find these. And if I was designing this game, stations are pretty much ships that don't move. And mm-hmm. then I went and I looked in the ship stuff, and yes, they're ships, um, which is why they're in the ship designer as well. Um, or they can be. They can actually be turned off or on. But um, you can't create a spaceport that I've been able to find, and I've been on the Reddit stuff and all blah blah. You can't build a spaceport that actually has the modules like, you know, when mm-hmm. you're adding the observatory and the, the you know, orbital uh, uh, solar panels and stuff like that, unless it's actually a spaceport. And that spaceport has certain hard coding to it that, like, mm-hmm. it has to be like in your area and it has to be over a colony and blah, blah, blah. You can't mod those, right? Okay. You, can all, yeah. you can create military stations mm-hmm. that you can put in the designer and all that stuff. In fact, there's a mod out there which I was looking at for reference about building um, citadels, which are like higher end military fortresses. They're, they're actually mm-hmm. above the fortress level but you can't put repair stuff on those right so it's mm-hmm. like you it's could like do it you... with an
1: aura though uh because there's yes, already yes the, except um, the whole repair goal of the time
0: uh buff yeah the whole goal of this is part of the core balance would be that it couldn't defend itself and yeah. i don't I, I know see, i see if the you... problem
1: yeah um, so i would definitely like to see more sort of logistical Stuff in Stellaris, the exactly yeah war system is kind of undercooked. Yeah, I'm hoping they're actually gonna ex- expand on that. It would have been a uh, a good idea to to yeah, do it, that. It's just that kind it's of just thing.
0: it's stuff like that, which is why I'm so pro allowing as much as possible to be modded. Right, like my whole thing is, especially with stuff like Paradox Games, where obviously they iterate on stuff all the time. They're there for the long game. Like like they play the long game on all their games, no open attended, Right, and yeah. it's like here's the deal, guys charge me 10% more for the fucking game, right? (laughs) Seriously. And take that 10% and put it towards people that do nothing but put in mod support, right? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. provide me Mm -hmm. as much mod support as possible. And and as we've talked about before, I understand that you don't want to put everything in there because you don't want people turning Hoy 4 into Vicky 3, right? (laughs) Um, But, like, for the most part, do that. Right? I Mm -hmm. mean, another great Mm -hmm. example of that real quick is you'll notice that there's a lot of mods, I think like alpha mod and stuff, which covers a bunch of stuff. For you to get to a menu to configure the mod, you have to like go into your situation browser and do a thing and then it'll pop up like this like event type thing that'll have a menu type thing. They're having to hack menus into it because you can't create full on menu system for for something from scratch in the UI, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's the type of thing. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's, it's like, man, you know? So anyway. That's it on that. <laughs> okay.
1: Very interesting. Thanks for trying yeah. to, to um, help improve my gaming
0: uh, experience.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and the thing is, I, I was honestly trying to improve your gaming experience because I never get that foreign Instalaris <laughs> to actually be able to use it.
1: Yeah, I've, I've actually I've been recording this series um, today. Mm-hmm. What I did is I was triggering another Endgame Crises via console. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. Want more, I want more of them. So I triggered the Prethorian Scourge today. Oh, Oh wow. organic guys, because they can not, you can't have a second one normally. And I already had the unbidden, but I had, I had the unbidden a bunch of times and I really want to see the Praetorian Scourge. Oh, nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, very nice. I'm going to um, trigger
1: all of them, except for
0: the AI revolution, because that doesn't make any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that would be horrible in your current situation. <laughs> <laughs> horrible, horrible. So um, you've been reading some fiction lately, and I want to hear Horoth here break my heart.
1: Oh, <laughs> I shall not. I shall not um first uh, my very kind-hearted friend spot actually gifted me the book um or let's say try to give me the book since i'm a filthy german amazon did not allow um that book to be gifted to me so i had to buy it myself they said it's not available in germany interestingly enough i could buy it with my kindle account though yeah that was the weird part it might have to do with the fact that, that i actually mainly read english books And so I have my Kindle registered, I think, either UK or directly at Amazon.com.
0: We should point out the book in question is Thrawn. Because we didn't actually say that. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's the Star Wars Thrawn book. By the way, there will be spoilers in this section. So if you have not read Thrawn, just skip a while. Yes,
1: definitely. Skip. Um, If you're still here now, now it's your own fault. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. What are you doing here? So, Timothy Zen, I love those three books that he wrote, um, basically following up Return of the Jedi. They were really, really good. I like the Throne book as well. The problem is, the Throne book is supposed to tell you the story about how first the Empire, how, how they found Thrawn, this brilliant Grand Admiral that, that we know. They find him on a planet and then how he rises through the ranks of the Empire and actually becomes a Grand Admiral. And there's a second protagonist, basically, in there. Um, Rinda Price, a daughter of a mining family from some obscure planet. And we also see how she makes her way up to the top. It, it might be different if you've seen Star Wars Rebels. I did not care for her at all. Every time she was there, I was, why are you wasting my time with this? Why are you wasting my time with this? Come on, I want to see throne action. Go away. Go away. Why are you here? Stop pestering me with her. She's That's not an interesting character. I, c- I can't do nothing with her. Oh, I'm here, I'm gonna do my political intrigues. And I'm gonna take a revenge that takes 30 years. My motives are never gonna change. That was really odd. I like the throne stuff. The problem is, because we were so close to him all the time, it felt a bit profane almost. Like he, he lost a little bit of his magic because I could watch him so closely. I think um, the old Timothy Zen books, the trilogy that he did, I'm just going to call it the trilogy mm-hmm. from now on, was a better series and he made for a great antagonist in that one because he was not always visible. Mm-hmm. So you were more a victim of his brilliant plans because you were following the heroes, not uh, necessarily the antagonists. At some point, uh, sometimes you did and I think it takes away from the, from the magic to actually see him go through the things. What I found particularly jarring is that he seems not to get the political side of things which makes no sense because warfare is politics. That's just, that's one and the same. You have resources, you have goals.
0: I think he did get the political side of the thing. I think that that was made clear in the end. And he just decided not to go for it. Well, well, no, I mean, I think that that was... Because obviously, if you remember, going the political route takes a lot of time. And I think that he he trusted that he could perform so well that he didn't need to go the political side in order to jump the ranks as fast as he did. And he was right. I think that piece at the end, which I, I don't want to outright say, just in case someone's actually listening, but that piece at the end where he explains what he's been up to for the most part, when he's having the meeting on the planet. Mm-hmm. I think that he was extremely aware how valuable his relationship with the emperor was. And he was extremely aware of the mm. position he was in and how far he could push the emperor, how, how much he could get out of the emperor, etc. And he knew that he could bypass the political process, which takes a long time and a lot of effort and a lot of focus. And I think part of that thing was the training process for his aid which was, you know, a good part of the book, actually, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, I suspect I, I, I suspect he got it. I just suspect he didn't put a lot of importance on it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can go with that. But there are a couple of political errors. I, I should have noted them down, but a couple of things are just not really... Eh, maybe he made them on purpose. There are a couple of things he does on purpose to uh, then sort of draw people yeah. out. That was kind of... That, w- that was a uh, clever... It's, it was still a good book. Like I, I read it I read it really fast. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the throne parts more than the Arinda Price parts. Maybe that was in there to show how difficult the political game is.
0: I didn't find her useless, but but, but I did I did enjoy the thrawn parts a lot. Like a lot more. So it's
1: just I for the most part of the book, Arinda Price is just someone in the middle management. I don't care about people in middle management. They may all be very worthy people, but it's not a stuff to write a book about.
0: Yeah. I will tell you something that you may not be aware of. She is the person who brings Thrawn in on the rebel stuff. Like she's actually, I don't know if she's entirely in charge because she's a governor. She's not necessarily, although she wears a military uniform at some point in rebels. She's the one that pretty much when, when they're having problems with rebels, the rebel You know, which at that point I don't even think it's the Rebel Alliance Mm -hmm. yet. It's just rebels um, because they were, you know, a lot of Mm -hmm. disconnected for a while. Insurgents. Right. She's the one that tells Tarkin, we need to bring in Thrawn. So for Mm -hmm. the majority of the part of rebels, anytime you see Thrawn, she's there. And they make pretty clear that she's not quite intelligent enough to stay up with all of his thought processes, but she's pretty up there as far as, you know. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously they have plans for her. I don't know if it's beyond the rebel show, but, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she's definitely more involved than just that book. Yeah.
1: The other thing is, I think it would have benefited the book if it were longer.
0: Oh, I agree with that completely. Absolutely. Because
1: it is a mission, another mission, another mission. Yeah. And each time you have a promotion and another mission. Yep, I agree. And completely. then at the end, he's a grand admiral and you you don't really feel the weight of of what it means to be a non-human Grand Admiral mm-hmm. in a xenophobe empire where you only have, how many Grand Admirals do you have? Like a
0: handful? Four? Three? Mm, two? I'd, one? No, I think there were more than that. I think there were like 12. um Because if yeah. I remember correctly, um pretty much every Grand Admiral had a Super Star Destroyer in the end. I could be off mm-hmm. on this, but that's my memory. And I believe there were Uh, Well, actually, as far as the new canon, I know for a fact because I'm actually reading the second Aftermath book right now, and they actually say, and there were 14 of them, and the Emperor had one, and Vader had one. But if I remember correctly, Vader's actual military rank was Grand Admiral. Now, that's in Legends. I don't know if that's in the new canon or not. But yeah, I mean, still, like, for a non-human to have that I'm gonna I'm gonna write up the shortness of that book to, on Disney because mm-hmm. Zahn's original books were not too short at all. No, they were perfectly paced. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the problems is like, people like you and I, we suffer because Disney understands that the majority of Star Wars content has to be, let's just say, at least teenager friendly mm-hmm. as far as consumable. They don't want something out there that's really long, you know. And, you know, it may be a nefarious thing as much of uh, we want to wet your whistle, but we don't want to give you so much that you're satisfied so that when the next book comes out, you will rush out to get it. Possibly,
1: but they also used much of their ammunition already in that one.
0: So I don't think that we were ever going to get two books that were covering his rise to power. I think that they wanted to get that out of the way because even in Rebels, mm. he's already a Grand Admiral. Boom.
1: Yeah, but that's how
0: it felt like
1: a bit, right? Well, right. Just yeah. like- they wanted to get it all the way, which is sad because it could be so much more.
0: <laughs> Although I'll just say as almost a meta thing, the fact that there was a Thrawn book gives me high hope that they plan to use him significant in the future. That is what I'm hoping.
1: That is definitely what I'm hoping. The thing is, I, I see that it is difficult to write a book like that if you don't have the full range of the cast like he had in his own books where he could use like a significant part of that plot line w- were the smugglers. And how the independent smugglers were sort of working with Thrawn or with the New Republic and what they were doing to each other. And then you had a lot more, let's just say, figures on the on the chessboard. And then it's easier to make it seem like magic. If you only have two or three figures, even a master might not make it seem like it is particularly genius. Right, right, yeah. Then I still enjoyed it. I'm currently reading the, um, the Tarkin book. Oh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I like the Tarkin book. Uh, yeah, I was just about ready to buy um, Darth Plagueis, but that's no longer canon, so I'm yeah. not sure.
0: That's so yeah. annoying. I know. on. I'm still interested in all the Legends books, but I'm not reading any of them until I can get through all the canon books so that I'm up to date. Yeah,
1: feels fun to read Star Wars books again, though I've not been reading them for quite a while.
0: Yeah, um, as I said, I'm about uh, a third of the way through the second Aftermath book, which is Life Debt. And so far, the first one was pretty good. It wasn't, like, amazing. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. one, I feel so far, is significantly better than the first one. I think because mm-hmm. the second one thus far has a majority of the same characters that were in the first, so there's less mm-hmm. character building and more yeah. just action it's less like let's talk about what this character's thinking and how they're think about this and blah 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 which i find interesting but it is a slower pace
1: which is also a thing which made the old trilogy of timothy than good right you don't really have to establish luke skywalker or han solo anymore right because you know those characters so you could draw from that yeah i still
0: enjoyed it um i was expecting a little bit more Yeah, um uh yeah. It needed to be longer. At least like half again as long, if not twice as long as it was. I mm-hmm. agree. I kinda agree. And yeah.
1: More diversity in the missions. I mean, you have a smuggler mission, then you have another smuggler mission. Yeah. Then you have another smuggler mission. And maybe make the, the antagonist stronger. The antagonist was like really weak source. Yeah, it was kind of odd.
0: It was just I don't know. And like it oh, didn't I'm this <laughs> Who the who the smuggler who like Who Night Swan ends up being wasn't much of a surprise, right? It was like, you know what's hilarious about that? Is that I used to like the old Perry Mason show. I don't know if you've ever seen those, right? It's an old black and white show where he's an attorney. I used to watch those even like a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And then it finally hit me that there was a formula to all those shows. Like, he's an attorney and there's always a Mm murder, And the formula was they go over pretty much all the suspects within the first like 10 minutes of the show. And the Mm -hmm. one they spend the least amount of time on is always the murderer. (laughs) Period. And like I noticed that and I'm like, that's strange. And then I started watching for it and every time. And it seemed like in this particular case, like my Perry Mason formula just worked out. I'm like... Like, so who have we seen that we've seen the least, oh, it's that guy. Oh, I bet it's that guy. And it was that guy. (laughs) I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Oh, well. But yes, I liked it overall. You know, it's one of those things where I've been so damn thirsty for so long for any Thrawn content that it was nice to get it. And I'll say it was nice, even if he was hamstrung a little bit, to actually get it from Timothy Zonigan.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed on those points. I'm glad that he's canon
0: now again. Yes. And they're
1: actually doing stuff with him. Yes.
0: That's smart. Very smart. But, uh... Cool. Well, then, I guess that about wraps it up. Um, I will like to give a, a, a honorable mention, if you haven't already, which you probably have, you should go search for Steam or YouTube for Raka, R-A-K-K-A. It's actually the first short film of um, Neil Blomkamp's, like, short studio. It's actually kind of cool uh, from a sci-fi perspective. You should check it out. It's a bit disturbing too, forewarning, but that's really about it. So, hopefully I'll get this edited over the weekend and we'll get it out. Nice. I have, like, eight hours on a train round trip, so <laughs> I should be able to do it. I'm hoping.
1: you you got to sing I'm on a boat, but, like, I'm on a train, right? I'm on a train. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, what's your next week look like? Finishing up stuff. Hopefully, getting my my green screen curtain created by my wife. She's she's sewing that one, and she's uh, has a lot to do because I really would like to start streaming at some point now.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool. And now, kind of, and after she's waiting done with for that, it. After she's done with that, we're gonna see your your build video, right? Of when you s- set up your studio. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. I'm gonna put that one up. That has been. At what point
0: do you need to get before you you start referring to your office as the studio?
1: (laughs) I'm actually thinking of this as the studio, not the womb, the studio. The studio. There you go. Yeah, my usual series are going to move on, and yeah, maybe I'm going to start some new stuff, but nothing concrete
0: yet. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, I've got a trip down uh, for the next four days. And then more work and stuff, and you know all that. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm actually getting to read some, so that's nice. I actually have the books to talk about. We'll do that next time. And, nice. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm reading the uh,
1: the talking book. Oh, it's good. I like it actually. Do you like it? Yeah, I've, I've I've just started. I've just
0: started. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. So, yeah. The, the we'll um see. the thing I like about that the most is you actually get it to see uh, a lot more about the relationship between him and Vader, which is cool. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, it, I'm looking forward just, to it. It's something that adds a lot, I think, to even their interactions in like A New Hope. Like, like mm. it adds a little bit of layer there, which is cool. I'm looking forward to that. Yep, cool. All right, man. Well, um, awesome. Well, thanks, everyone. Uh, if you would like to send us any comments, comments at localgods.net. And, yeah, please give us a rating, you know, good or bad. We, we'd like to know. Tell your friends, family, dogs, cats, all of those. Especially all cats. Of Especially all of them. Tell all of them. Especially cats, yes. Cats love this show. So, um, At least mine do. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, then uh, we'll see you next week. And um, thanks everybody for listening.
1: Um, actually, I got I got one more correction. Um, one of our uh, listeners, uh, one of my subscribers, uh, Wolfric Arneson has uh, corrected us. We talked about Admiral Hackett and Admiral Anderson in Mass Effect. So he said. <laughs> yeah. Keith David is not Admiral Hackett in Mass Effect, he's Admiral Anderson. Admiral Hackett is Lance Erickson. Right. So, that's
0: that's what I was yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, th- nope.
1: Thank you for clearing that up, Wolfric. Uh, yeah. If thank you're you. listening to that. I do appreciate it. So yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: There we go. All right. Thanks. Okay. bye. Awesome. See you. Everyone sport. have a good
1: day. Bye.